Hello, and welcome to the Dress in Splendor podcast. Luke 12, 27 states, Look at how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Our mission here is to share stories from men and women that can help you learn how to stop laboring or striving after what you want to accomplish, but rather to trust in your heavenly creator to guide you in your everyday life. If he has a plan for you, he will make a way. All he wants is our daily yes to him and for us to stop worrying about what tomorrow will bring. If we can do that, then we, as children made in his image, can be dressed in even grander splendor than the beautiful wildflowers of the field. I'm your host, Lydia Summer, and I'm so glad you're here today. I hope you will enjoy this very special episode of the podcast and that God may be glorified through this. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Dress in Splendor. I've been thinking about starting bonus episodes for our next fiscal year, but thought that this was the perfect time to test it out and even see how y'all y'all like it and give me feedback on what kind of content you'd like to see in the future. And surprise, yep, there is video. At least this is my first attempt to see how it would look like with my camera, and hopefully when I go back to the editing stage, it will turn out well. I hadn't planned on doing this episode, but the more conversation that surrounded this topic, the more I felt called to share something about it. I don't believe really that my opinion matters that much when it comes down to it, but I hope that this is something that will spark more dialogue for with your friends and family when you think about what we'll be diving into. And well, as you've already know by reading the episode details, I'm here to talk about the Asbury Revival. And I know that many, if not all of you, have already heard or read your fair share of what's been happening at Asbury University. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about or may not have heard about what's going on, let me just give you a brief overview. On February 8th, 2023, a revival broke out after a regularly scheduled chapel service that was held when a few students decided to stay afterwards to continue praying and worshiping. What was only a few turned into thousands of people over the following two weeks. I actually read a report that the pastor who led the original chapel service thought that his sermon was a dud and that students' responses were actually pretty passive. But it was the few that stayed behind that sparked that initial revival. Countless people from all over the world have heard about this revival, and several notable leaders have visited this campus to partake in it. And what started at Asbury actually continued and poured out onto other campuses such as Cedarville University in Ohio, Samford University in Alabama, Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, and Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. I've also seen my friends in the Philippines be ecstatic about this revival and have seen reports of revival happening there as well. These reports are as of February 23rd, which is the same day that Asbury's revival has come to an end, at least in the sense of holding a student-led 24-7 service of worship and prayer. And I first heard about the Asbury revival a few days after it started. I saw a few posts here and there, and to be honest, I wasn't sure if it was real or not. Not that I didn't want it to be real, but I was curious if this was going to be a summer camp spiritual high experience would then die down in a day or two. I had no idea that this was a 24-7 service that was student-led and was continuing on with no clear end in sight. I believe my exact thought was, let's see if this lasts. 
And I was very quickly proven wrong by the students at Asbury, hopeful even when it started to spread to other schools and then humbled as I realized what changed my posture towards believing this revival to be real. You see, it wasn't until leaders that I trusted told me that I could trust it. Now, there's nothing wrong with receiving some good biblical sound truth coming from these leaders to see if this is indeed a work of the Holy Spirit, but why did I doubt? Why was my initial reaction one of scoffing at these students as though they were faking it or that they were merely on a spiritual high? And if even if it was just a spiritual high, why would I doubt that God could use that for his purpose, his good, his glory to bring about this revival? Why do we dismiss the feelings that come with revival? Or isn't it the work of the spirit that actually turns us to humble ourselves down to the ground at the foot of the cross, weeping because we come to truly understand just how wretched we are? Peter, when at the sound of the rooster's crow, weeps because he just realized he betrayed Jesus, just as he said he would. He cried because he understood that his pride got in the way of his love for his Savior. In Nehemiah, as Ezra is reading the law of God to the Israelites, they began to weep. Why? Because they realized just how rebellious they were against Yahweh, their God. But then after weeping comes joy. Joy in the hope that Jesus saves, that God redeems, that he lives and loves his children. Worship to me has a lot to do with emotions. It is a response to the gospel, biblical truth, that we have accepted. It is a response to praise God for his goodness, his mercy, his grace. And when we truly grasp that truth of what God has done for us, even though we were born to sin and not worthy of his love, we can't help but have an emotional response to the work that his Holy Spirit is doing in our hearts. Even my own pastor gets emotional as he stands from the pulpit and shares the gospel truth with his congregation not in a way that manipulates people, but his emotions are a response to the goodness of God. We are so undeserving of his love, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So as we see the response of these groups of students who are worshiping with all their hearts and souls and minds, then we as their fellow fellow brothers and sisters should be lifting them up, praying for them to continue on in their worship and their everyday lives. So as we see the response of these groups of students who are worshiping with all of their hearts and souls and minds, then we as their fellow brothers and sisters should be lifting them up, praying for them to continue on in their worship and praise alongside them. I have already seen in other cities how desperate people are for revival to come to their home. There's a hunger for the Holy Spirit to come and create a rival among our people in our neighborhood. There's a deep need for this nation to come back to God and leaders all over the nation are praying for this revival to spread. So back to the initial question, why are there scoffers when we see a revival happening? Why does it seem like people don't believe that this is real. I think some are afraid of what they do not know for themselves. There's a fear that maybe God is not work and they can't believe it until they see it. Maybe they haven't seen the Holy Spirit at work in such a way and they can't trust what they don't know. Maybe they've grown up to be wary of the charismatic ways of how the Holy Spirit works and want to see more scripture being used instead of just spontaneity running its course. And that's true. We shouldn't just have 
just feeling or emotion. And we should definitely make sure that everything is founded in scripture. But what I want to get to the point of is that also God works in mysterious ways. I'm sure every Christian in the Western world has heard this phrase at some point in their life. But although it sounds like a Christian cliche, it's very true. God can work through humble, quiet ways, such as his voice and the sound of the wind, or he can show up in the middle of the road on your journey and call you out on your sin and blind you so that, ironically, you can see who he truly is. God can show up as a burning bush or as a hungry man coming to your door asking for something to eat. He can cause plagues, but he can also recline with the sinners and tax collectors. He can do miracles upon miracles or work in the mundane. There's no shortage of what God can do or how he brings about people to see who he truly is. He doesn't need much, and it's proof of that when you look at how this revival started. It started with a few students by themselves because of their own desire to continue worshiping God. But then others heard of it and came back to be a part of that worship. This started as a humble beginning. But since I wasn't there, I thought I would share a few thoughts that others had after visiting Asbury and witnessing the revival themselves. So you're not taking my word from it, but from others about the reality of what God was doing and is doing from that revival. What I'm about to read is from at cat underscore Mac for, for those who may know her full name, Catherine Mac, she and her friend and worship leader and singer, um, Aaron Williams recently wrote a book called whole, the life changing power of relating to God with all of yourself. If you still don't know who either of them are, I recommend looking up Aaron's more popular song um, that he wrote called Abide that's written by him and Dwell Music. Catherine went to see what God was doing at Asbury, and she made a few observations from her time there. I'll just mention a couple of them out of the five points she made. The first one was they kept it pure. Catherine said, we watched the leadership deny media coverage at the college to the surprise of the news stations. They didn't busy themselves doing things like getting lyrics on the stage. They actually said no to a lot of good ideas to preserve the purity of what God chose to do and how he chose to do it. We heard a constant refrain from the stage reminding us that this is about Jesus. Another point she made was that they honored and protected God's choice of leaders. They left the leadership with the ordinary people the Spirit chose to carry it. Better leaders and worship leaders were in the room and even offered themselves up, but the leadership honored God's decision to place it in the hands of weeping, humble, seeking students. They could have used the more powerful and proven leaders in the room once things reached the next level, but they didn't. For those who just listened to these points, maybe you think, like, that's a little bit too emotional for me. Well, in regards to biblical truth, Christianity.com writes, from what we can observe from the Asbury University revival, there is nothing that is unbiblical. Rather, these are believers who are having revivals in their faith. The revival is so strong that these individuals do not want to leave Hughes Auditorium at Wilmore, Kentucky, as this is their place of worship. They would prefer to stay together in worship, meditating on scripture and talking with God through prayer. And their love for Jesus out far outweighs any other commitment they have to their career, school, or other relationships. There was also a post I saw on Instagram from at Rachel Scribbles, um, who made a few observations herself after having visited the school to see the revival in person. Rachel titled her post, The Truth About the Asbury College Revival, from a doubting Thomas-hearted girl who still sometimes has to see to believe. 
Though Rachel is not what you call a notable leader that people would know in the church, she does have some influence on social media. But what really grabbed me to read her thoughts in the revival was her title. The reason why I wanted to share what she wrote about is because there are some out there, like myself at first, that maybe can't believe that this isn't real due to emotional manipulation. One of the points that Rachel made was this. There was no room for emotional manipulation. All lights in every chapel were on. The band consisted of three to four people, one guitar, one piano, maybe a box drum. There was water and food available for everyone at every door. There was a strict curfew on services, so those who gathered were forced to go seek rest because God created rest too. These folks are seeking the true movement of the spirit, not a shadow of it that we can create with dim lights, synthetic music swells, fatigue, exhaustion. She also mentions things like there was no financial gain. There were so, so, so many children and that there was not a single child crying. Also not an iPad or coloring book in sight, peace in the presence of their father. There were a lot of hymns sung as well. So those who believed that many songs sung by more emotionally manipulated worship groups need to know that they brought their worship often to just the bare bones. All of this to say is why would God's people scoff at something that has the beautiful potential of having people bow down and worship him, which is his ultimate purpose. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 reads, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Is there also potential for people to have been a part of this revival that have faked it or to turn away from the Lord later down the road? Of course. But that is the same for every single believer on earth. There will be those who are truly repentant and believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But then there will be also those who are merely doing the acts of being a believer. And then others who will completely reject him. It's the parable of the sown seeds. But the point that I'd like to make here is that we are not the ones who know the hearts of God's children. He is the only one who knows the heart of man. And moreover, who are we to question the intent of those we do not know? Who are we to see a revival among students and say, God's not at work? For those who worry over the souls of the young, you are not wrong to do so. Our response to this revival is to pray for these students. Our response is to walk alongside them, to continue to teach them truth, to disciple and mentor them, to bring them community. The biggest wrongdoing we could do in this moment is to turn our backs on them, to walk away from them when they need the church now more than ever so that they can continue to follow Jesus in confidence and faith. As one who has seen what happens when a person who is once a part of a 24-7 community of believers goes back into the real world, if they do not have continual support from their brothers and sisters, they are in danger of following the world. We need to walk with them instead of turning away from them. Lastly, I bring up one more note that my worship pastor recited from a blog post written by Denny Burke. Denny writes, I've mainly been praying two things. One, oh God, let it be. Let your mercy pour down in genuine revival and let these reports be true and let it not end in Wilmore. And two, pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. 
Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. May this be the prayer of all in regards to any revival God may choose to do around the world. And may our hearts be the first to praise him for his Holy Spirit's work and pray that he continue to do it. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode. If you have any topics you'd like the Dress and Splendor podcast to cover, please feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share what kind of content you'd like to see. Or comment on any of our latest posts on Instagram at Dressed in Splendor and share your thoughts and ideas there. If you'd like to see where I got my information about this revival, look in the show notes and click the links. Ultimately, I hope and pray that this podcast will further aid you in learning how to be dressed in splendor in your everyday life and to trust that God is in control and walking with you every step of the way. If you want to know when our next episode will be out, follow us on social media. I already mentioned our Instagram at Dressed in Splendor. That's Splendor as in S-P-L-E-N-D-E-U-R. But if you'd like to give me a follow on Instagram, you can find me at The Lydia Summer. Make sure to like this podcast and leave us a review wherever you can. Not for my sake, but that the message of Christ or the powerful testimonies of his children can be shared with all in order for his glory to be magnified. If you're interested in being a sponsor, please email us at info at splendormag.com. Your sponsorship will help us continue in our mission to encourage, empower, and equip women in their walk with Christ. We thank you in advance for your support. The music of the Dress and Splendor podcast was produced by Jael Arekasi. Find him on Instagram at Sound of Pastel Kid for more of his work. That's Sound of Pastel, P-A-S-T-E-L Kid. Thank you again to everyone for tuning in today. May you be blessed as you continue on in your day and may God be glorified through your work.